Welcome to the weekly podcast, Stand Strong. I'm Paul White. And I'm Noah Dieselkamp. Together, we look to God's Word to find energy and encouragement to fuel our faith. When our trust in Jesus is firm, we'll be amazed what God can do and accomplish in our lives. So let's turn to the wisdom in God's Word, a true and trusted source that is going to help us stand strong. Let's dig in. Well, good morning, Paul, and good morning, Lawrence. It's good to be here in the studio with both of you. We've got a special guest with us today, Lawrence Kelly, who preaches in Bowling Green, Kentucky, and we're really glad that he's here with us this week. He's doing a special series for us at Cedar Park, and we managed to uh, twist his arm into being in here with us to have a discussion on the podcast, and we're looking forward to that today. Paul, I'm so glad that we're covering this topic of 21st century discipleship. I think that there's a lot of opportunity here to better understand what it means to be a follower of Christ in the 21st century. So kick us off in our discussion today. Well, yes, Noah, I was very interested when Lawrence, we were talking on the phone when Lawrence told me some of the material he was bringing here about the Father, Son, and Spirit and and the concept of fellowship, the idea of relationship. We're not just talking about some entity out there in space. We, We struggle with the Godhead. We struggle, I do at least, with the Father, Son, Spirit at times because we don't see it as a relationship as an invitation, as fellowship. And so when he told me he was talking about the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and bringing that to us, I was very excited. Of course, we've already heard some on the Father, some on the Son. But Lawrence, you know, one of the things, you you said something about a snapshot in time of who God is in eternity. I love that. And you started with the Father. You moved into the Son. You've yet to deal with the Spirit, and we'll spend a lot of time, or most of our time, on that today. But kind of, kind of take us where we want to get, especially with the Father and the Son. Okay. Yes. The, the primary idea in the lesson on the Father is, like you said, trying to get outside of the idea of you know just what is God, but more who is God, and the Scripture, uh, the answer rather that Jesus gives us in Scripture uh, in John seventeen twenty four is that. He is a father loving his son. So God exists in relationship. He is a father loving his son. He is a son beloved of his father and obviously returning that love to his father and all of this in the power of the Holy Spirit. So thinking of God primarily as existing within relationship really changes our perspective and I think helps us to step into a relationship with God ourselves because he's good at relationships. (laughs) He's been doing this you know, beyond time forever. And so we are, as you said, invited to step into this and drawn up into a relationship uh, with God. So that's kind of the focal point that I've been trying to drive throughout the series. Yeah, I love what you said last night when you were dealing with Exodus 3, Moses and the burning bush. You had already taken us on God the Son. You had taken us to the Gospel of John, you know, the Word, in the beginning was the Word, words with God. The Word was God, and then the Word became flesh. When you said He dwelt among us, I mean, that God, Emmanuel, God with us, He dwelt among us. What what's the, does that say? And then you took us to Exodus 3, Moses in the burning bush and the angel of the Lord there that appears in the flames of fire. And you said it's not simply the what, but the why. God revealing His presence to Moses. And then you gave us Exodus 3, 7, and 8. I'm just going to read that. Um, The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard 
them crying out because of their slave drivers. I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flow with milk and honey. And I love that. And then this is what you said. You said, that's the gospel. Exactly. And when you said that, that got my attention. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I just think it's such a, a concise summary of this movement that God, who who loves his son, but also out of that love, perhaps has overflowed into a creation that includes us. And we've we've gone astray. We've we've fallen short of God's glory. We have become enslaved, as it were, by by sin and death. And I think this prefigures the story of the Exodus prefigures our whole salvation in that God sees us, he's concerned for us. And so in the sending of the son, Jesus comes to us out of concern for us because of our oppression that we are under as a result of our own waywardness. And God uh, is here with us in the person of Jesus for the purpose of bringing us up. Just as he brought the children of Israel up out of Egypt and into the promised land, he he's come down here to bring us up and to deliver us from the oppression that we have fallen under uh, with sin and and death. Yeah, man, Noah, you and I have talked about in podcasts before in our studies, and we preach sermons, uh, both of us, the idea of the essentiality of our faith as it connects to God. I mean, God doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Right. We see the Father. We have life because of the Son. If that doesn't change us from the inside out, if that doesn't compel us, that love, doesn't compel us to grow our faith. I mean, we are now in Christ. He has reached down. Now our faith is reaching up. God, I cannot save myself, but you have promised to save me. And I acknowledge you as the only way to the Father is through Jesus Christ, the Son. And this is what can take care of my sins. You are the one that can restore and redeem me. We've talked about that, Noah. Why is it that there are still some out there that are not convinced that Jesus is the answer. Have you, do you ever think about that? <laughs> well, everyone's going to give you a different answer for that, right? Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of reasons that people reject Jesus, and it can range from anywhere from just the 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 selfishness of I want to do it my way and I want to live my way, and I don't like the constraints that come with grace. Uh, but I would say that that is probably a lot fewer people than, than we sometimes typify it to be. And more often, it comes from a lack of understanding of, of just the immense nature of God's grace in Jesus. And so if we, if we, cannot, if we can't begin to grasp that immense nature of God's grace that was given through Jesus, then we're not going to fully appreciate Jesus as the answer. And to fully appreciate God's grace, we also have to be willing to admit and understand and acknowledge our need for that. And, and I think that that, that um, whether it be from pride or willful blindness or ignorance, um, is often why Jesus is, is sidelined, um, because we we fail to see just how greatly we need him, just how badly we need the grace of God extended through Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen to mm -hmm. that. I, uh, you know, 
for for those of y'all who are out there, y'all cannot see what we can see in here. Uh, Noah had no idea I was going to ask him that question, <laughs> <laughs> and it was a it was a brilliant response. Where I'm circling back, the reason I. I I set you up, Noah, but the reason I did that, the 21st century discipleship issue, I agree with what you said. How many people out there are hearing the gospel and seeing through the scriptures like Lawrence has done here, the presentation of the Father and the Son and the invitation, I invite you to come into relationship. This is who I am. This is what I've done. I love you on this level. How many people are hearing that, the message of the gospel, the story of grace, the concept of redemption, and then, and then still saying, yeah, but I mean, this is who I am. This is what I've done. Can right. he really forgive me? Can he really save me? Does he really still love me? And that's why I was so motivated and compelled when Lawrence said, this is the gospel. If we don't explain to people through Scripture who this God is that invites them into relationship, why are we expecting them to reach up in faith? Yeah. You know? Yeah, if he's just this remote ultimate power who gives us laws there's you know you can only get so far with that because our willpower is frankly not that great uh <laughs> what transforms us is loyalty and loving relationship and god loving us first changes our hearts in a way that we can be transformed uh, from the inside out in a way that's simply trying to force ourselves into an external mold of of rule keeping is never going to accomplish. Yeah. Yeah. Which is part of why that example from Exodus is so powerful because it helps us draw the connection that the, um, the delineation between the new Testament God and the old Testament God is, is false. The, right. This has been God since before creation. This has been God. He has been consistent. He has been reaching out. He has been offering this. He desires this. And so uh, to be able to point all the way back into the time of Exodus and show the gospel exists here too um, is such a powerful um, way to illustrate and, and uh, who God truly is and to try to dispel some of those misconceptions about this distant God that's just there to administer rules and then administer judgment to those who fail to follow those rules. Right. So we had a question. We had mentioned uh, in this season four that uh, people were submitting questions, and they have y'all, y'all have already done that. Thank you to those who are doing that. Keep doing that. We want to hear from you. So this this uh, this theme that we've had is not just the Father and the Son; it's also the Spirit. I mean, we're still talking about God here and the Holy Spirit. Now, I I don't know Lawrence Noah. This is just one man's opinion. Uh, and I can say this about myself, I don't know that we spend enough time. And I'm not saying the Holy Spirit's an easy subject, (laughs) but if we don't address the Holy Spirit, if we just spend all the time addressing the Father and the Son and not the Spirit, we're not not doing what we should do here. I mean, the Word gives us something here on the Holy Spirit. There was a question asked. I'm going to bring up the question and then let that move us into discussion, Lawrence, uh, on God, the Holy Spirit. Here was part of the question. I very much desire, they said, I very much desire to to live by the Spirit. Amen, amen to that. Love that. But here, how do I live a life? How do I live a life led by the Spirit? Well, it's a a great question, and it does speak to a a genuine desire to live this transformed life that the Spirit has, has been given to us to be able 
to live. And I think that's an important place to begin is to just recognize that throughout Scripture, both Old and New Testament, the Holy Spirit is God's empowering presence. He enables people in the Old Testament to be able to fulfill the mission that God gave them to do, whether that was craftsmen or kings or prophets. God's Spirit uh, enabled them to, to be what God needed them to be. And that's true in the church as well. Uh, you know, Christ formed a body, but it didn't really become the living church until the Holy Spirit breathed into it the breath of life. It's just kind of like Adam. He was formed and then he was filled. And uh, Jesus formed a, a group of disciples that were up in the upper room. They're waiting, they're praying, and then the Spirit comes and all of a sudden that body came to life. And you read the book of Acts and you see the Holy Spirit at work, empowering people to live spirit-filled, spirit-directed, God-oriented, Christ-centered lives. And you know, the Spirit's desire is to glorify Jesus. Uh, Jesus said that that would be what the Spirit would come to do. is not that we should ignore the Spirit, which we're trying not to do right now, but that the Spirit himself would orient our focus on Jesus. And so if Jesus, if the Spirit is leading me, he's leading me into a Christ-centered life. And I think that we could say that the Spirit is empowering or enabling Christians uh, living a Spirit-led life in, in three ways. He's enabling us to be with Jesus. He's enabling us to become like Jesus and ultimately empowering us to do as Jesus did. So what I mean by being with Jesus is, is this. We, we could say, well, how, how could I be with Jesus today? Jesus, you know, the, the disciples, the apostles, they were with Jesus, but Jesus ascended back to the Father's right hand. It's 2,000 years later. It's his 21st century discipleship. How, how in the world could Jesus be present with me now? And of, of course, uh, that's an understandable question. And the disciples themselves were concerned about that when Jesus began to tell them that he was going to return to the Father. And uh, I think of Mary in particular at the tomb, at the resurrection, she's clinging to Jesus. And Jesus says, don't cling to me. And I don't think he's saying, don't, don't touch me. He said, <laughs> you, you're trying to hold on to me. I, I got away from you once and, and they took me and, and they crucified me and you've got me back and you're not going to let go. But he said, I have not yet ascended to my father. And he also told the disciples, it's better if I go away than if I stay here beside you, because only when I go away can I send the spirit or the father send the spirit, which to me is sort of the universalizing presence of Jesus so that he's not in one place at one time with one or two people, but he can be in all places at all times with all people. And so it's no longer just God beside us. We have God within us. Amen. We have Christ's, the sonship, the, the spirit of adoption. Uh, all of these things become ours through the power of the Holy Spirit, making Jesus real to us, making the Father's love a felt experience. And I think that's something we see in the baptism of, of Jesus. Not only did the Father speak the words, you're my son, but he sent his spirit 
onto Jesus, that rested on Jesus. Jesus was able, if you will, to feel the Father's love and know experientially what was verbally expressed. And so uh, such, a, such a powerful thing to realize that we have Jesus with us, that we can be with him in the power of the, of the Holy Spirit. In fact, I just want to read a, a scripture, John 14, 15 through 18, where he says, if you love me, keep my commandments and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Jesus is with you and in you by means of his Holy Spirit. And so we can be with Jesus and live a transformed life because of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life. Not only does he want us to be with Jesus, the Spirit will lead us to, to have Jesus' presence abiding with us. But in that, that process, then we become like Jesus. You know, that's always the goal of discipleship is to become in all ways like unto your master. There was a saying among the Jews, apparently in the first century, that was sort of a blessing to anyone who was a disciple of a, of a master. And that's, may you be covered in the dust of your master. Hmm. to abide in their presence so closely that you're just covered in their dust so that you can learn their lifestyle. Everything about them is adopted into your own lifestyle. And uh, the Spirit leading us to Jesus and showing us Jesus and bringing Jesus uh, uh, to be a reality experienced in our life then has that effect of, of transforming us into His likeness, which according to Romans 8 is, is really God's purpose for us is that we would be transformed into the image or the likeness of his son. But what I love about Romans 8 in that is how the spirit helps us live this transformed life. Uh, look at Romans 8 verse 14. For all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So we have a couple of things going on, I think, interestingly, that the Spirit inspiring the apostles and prophets to write and record the Word gives us an objective declaration of who we are. We are the children of God. But he also comes to us in, in a subjective manner, confirming in our hearts what the scriptures objectively testify externally. And you, um, you're brought into this spirit of sonship where just like Jesus, eternally beloved of the Father, was able to cry out, Abba, Father, dearest Father, these terms of, of great filial affection, is something that progressively becomes what we can say. Uh -huh. I can say, just like Jesus said, Abba, Father. I can cry this out in my temptations and thereby have the power to overcome the flesh. I, I, can, I can cry out, Abba, Father, when my world is falling apart and everything's going, going, going wrong. I can cry out, Abba, Father. And even in my hour of death, I can say, Father, into your hands, 
I commit my spirit. This is a transformed life. This is walking in the spirit, living a spirit-lived life. And, and then ultimately we'd be able to do the kinds of things that Jesus did. Um, in Luke chapter 4, verses 14 through 20, Jesus returned to Galilee filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. He taught regularly in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. And when he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scripture. And the scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He enrolled the scroll and found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Just an amazing scripture. But what I'm going to, to say here is, I don't, this may be controversial, I, I don't know, but the same spirit that rested upon the Lord to enable him to accomplish these amazing things is the same spirit of the Lord that rests upon us, an anointing that we have to do the kinds of things that Jesus did as his disciples were to be with him, were to become like him, and were to do as Jesus did. And we ought to be able to go around and proclaim good news to the poor. There are people who are captives to sin, to doubt, to fear, oppressed by all kinds of, of evil forces that are at work in this world. And we, through the empowerment of the Spirit, should be able to set them free. Through the preaching of the gospel, we are opening blind eyes, announcing to a world that the time of the Lord's favor is now. That's what I think it means to live uh, in the Spirit, to keep in step with the Spirit, to be like Jesus that the Spirit is pointing us to. And amen, amen. Uh, wow. Uh, what a great connection, Lawrence, uh, between the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. That's why I've encouraged, Noah, you and I have encouraged people, get into the Galatians is a great place, but Romans. I mean, Paul spends the first, what, seven chapters telling us what the gospel is and how we truly can be justified, not by works of righteousness, which we have done. And he just talks about the grace and he talks about the good news of the gospel and he connects everything to Jesus hmm. and just kind of ends in chapter seven. I thank God through Jesus Christ. That's the answer. Jesus is the answer. Now that I'm in Christ, now that we're in Christ and we are saved, how do we stay sanctified? And that's why I think from Romans 8 moving forward, this, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is brought up. Uh, and that's a powerful thing. God with us, God on our side, He will not abandon us. And you can overcome the flesh. The answer is Jesus. And the empowerment is through the Holy Spirit. And I yes. love that He has formed us, but He has also filled us. <clears throat> A lot of things we don't understand, or at least I don't understand, but do I have to understand it all to believe it? If I do, then that's not faith. You know, I, I think for a lot of people, just pausing for a moment and just asking God to do for you what he's promised to do. In, in Romans 5, I can't remember, three, verse 3 or 4, somewhere in there, it says that the Holy Spirit has, has been poured into our hearts. And... We should just, maybe there's even somebody listening that you just say, Lord, 
uh, by your spirit, pour your love into my heart. Help me to know that I'm deeply loved by you, that you love me with the same love that you love Jesus. That's something Jesus said in John 17. And uh, just as he objectively sent his son into the world, Galatians 4, 4, even so he has sent his spirit into our hearts that we may cry, Abba, Father. Cry out to God as Father. He loves you. He cares for you. And by his spirit uh, of adoption, he's made you his son. He's made you his daughter. And whatever your need is right now, you can cry out to him as his beloved child. Yeah. Amen. Well, let's let's take some of these things to our Father in prayer. Noah, let's lift these things up to God today in faith, and let's just speak to him through prayer. Father, we come to you now especially conscious of the fact that we are your children, that in, in this spirit of adoption, you have made us your sons, that we have become your heirs, and that through your Son, we have been given life. In Jesus, we have life, and we thank you for that. But we're especially thankful for the power of your Spirit, the fact that even now, thousands of years after Jesus was here on earth, we can know and feel the power of your Holy Spirit in our lives. And we pray that you pour into us so that we can walk by the Spirit, that we can live by the Spirit, that we can trust that what you have done and what you have planned is better. Sometimes we, we tend to get in our own way and we, we ask, why didn't, why didn't you do it this way? Why didn't you do it that way? Help us to trust that Jesus was indeed telling the truth when he said, it is better that I go so that you may have the Holy Spirit. We thank you for that. We thank you that you know what is best and that you guide us through your word and through your spirit. We pray that we submit to your will in all we do. And it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. 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 Well, to all who are listening today, we're thankful that you are listening. We want to hear from you. We do still want to hear. You got questions, you got things that you would like us to address in season four on 21st century discipleship. Let us hear from you. Thank you to you for your participation in this with us. Noah, tell, Noah, tell us where we're going next. Well, next week, we won't have the uh, pleasure of having Lawrence with us. Thank you for being with us this week. But he could, um, he could come back. That's true. If you want to come back next week, we'll we'll be discussing materialism. Um, and this is going to be closely connected to our previous topic of idolatry, where we began season four. But um, it's going to have, I think, a little bit more nuance and a little bit more detail um, in our discussion regarding what does it mean to be a 21st century follower of Jesus when it comes to material things. And that's especially important, I feel, for those of us that live in, you know, the modern day United States. Um, you know, here we are, we live in the suburb of one of the most uh, prosperous cities and one of the most prosperous states and one of the most prosperous countries. So what do we do with the temptation of materialism? And how does that affect our walk as we follow Christ and as we 
are his disciples. So that's where we'll be looking in our episode next week. And we hope that you'll join us then. And uh, until then, we pray that you will continue to stand strong in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thanks for joining us in God's Word today. We hope you'll continue to join us each week as we consider how to deepen our faith in God. Here's some good news today and even this week. With God as our foundation, we know that we can stand strong. 